Hi, everybody. Welcome to Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. I'm Tom Mutchler. I'm John Lincove. I'm Gabe Shenhar. Uh, on this show, we're going to talk about some recent test results and we're going to answer some reader questions. So let's jump right into it. We recently published a test of German Roadsters. So someone asks on the blog, how about telling us our favorites among the tested Roadsters? John, it was quite a group of cars we tested. Yeah, let's see. So we had BMW Z4, the Mercedes SLK, the Boxer, and the Audi TT. Um, as far as German Roadsters go, I'll choose yes. <laughs> Real discriminating. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Good weather, I'll take any of them, but the Boxer is just so much fun. Oh yeah, my gosh. I, I mean, I'm going to make it easy. I would not buy the Z4. I bet none of us would buy a Z4. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that might sound a little surprising uh, coming from me, but uh, the BMW Z4 Because you is own just, a BMW. Right. It's just not fun to drive. And what, what, what does leave it, it to why BMW. Not? Why is it not fun to drive? It's steering is not really there. The, uh, it just uh, not, doesn't have that crispness in that uh, traditional BMW feel and leave it to BMW, interestingly enough, to make their SUVs more fun to drive than the Roadster. Yeah, that, that's kind of weird. You know, the thing that surprised me was the, the Audi TT. You know, it, it has this, I hate to say it, it has a bit of a, an image problem. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, clearly the Boxster is uh, the, the car here. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it's at. Uh, but there is a big price difference between the Boxster and the rest of these. Yeah, the TT is 42,000 bucks. How much was our Boxster? It was scratching 60. With no heated seats, with a lot, real lack of options. You well, know. we had $3,000 wheels on it. Right, that's true. Because when you want to spend $3,000, you got to get, get the, a the Porsche wheels official instead of something else. Just, just to put that into perspective, I bought a Mazda Miata for $3,500, an entire car. Well, so you can buy a Boxster, and instead of getting nice wheels, you can get a Mazda, you know, for if it's in the shop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. think the real sleeper here was the Mercedes SLK. I like the SLK. I drove it from here in Connecticut to a conference in Portland, Maine. It was a nice highway cruising car. It's sporty to drive, but you know, the, the Boxster's just fabulous. Yeah. I, I, I didn't love the last Boxster we tested, but this one, boy, they worked it out. I love the old one. I love this one. Uh, too. Yeah. yeah. This one has better sounds. The last one was a little, it was, it was raspy, a rattly. Be, yeah, rattly and, and Someone it said felt it sounded like, uh, you know, rocks in a can. Exactly. Yeah. It. Like right about here for your head. You yeah, know, the engine's mid-engine. Exactly. Mid -engine. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the TT's a nice second runner for me. I didn't like the clutch action of the Mercedes SLK. Didn't like yeah. the transmission. Yeah, it's a bit lumpy. Um, yeah. The TT's a good second choice. I wish that you could get a TT besides the TTRS with a manual, um, you know, DSG only. It's fun blipping the throttle. Ha ha ha. Great. After that, you just leave it in automatic. So. I would, I would definitely look at a TT if, if they had a manual, um, but the Boxster, look, it's, it's part of my Cayman S lust. Uh, that's, that's just what I want. The thing is, I would be satisfied spending 13,000 bucks on a used Miata folding hardtop. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd get 95% of what the Boxster would give me, happiness-wise. Yeah, I mean, if you don't care about, uh, you know, noise levels, refinement, uh, some performance. Any of that then, stuff, uh, yeah. Sure. Cheaper to fix. <laughs> it might not need fixing. Our next question is from Facebook, talking about fixing cars. How well is the Ford F-150 EcoBoost pickup truck holding up over time? Well, I talked to our reliability expert here, Anita. We have over 1,600 of these EcoBoost trucks in our survey. I mean, it's, it's a lot. They're holding up okay. Uh, there are some uh, minor transmission complaints. Shift quality isn't so good. A few complaints about fuel delivery. 
But, you know, the engine's only been out for two years, so, it, you know, it's not like you can say it's been blowing up. How does it compare to the V8? The V8's a bit more reliable. And I mean, I, I guess there's the question is, would you buy the V8 or would you buy the six-cylinder EcoBoost? Uh, I probably would buy the V8 because, uh, you know, there's something about a V8 and the sound and the immediate uh, thrust of it. Yeah, the V8, you know, it's a Mustang, the Mustang V8, it sounds sweet. The EcoBoost sounds like a vacuum cleaner that's angry. And you're not really giving up that to mileage uh, mm -hmm. between mileage. the two? Well, see, there's the thing. Ford, Ford is harping on these claims. EcoBoost gets better mileage. No, no. In our tests, it's a brilliant marketing um, name, EcoBoost. Yeah, in the tests, they were equal. You know, and, and I mean, I see a lot of people bragging about the fuel economy of their EcoBoost trucks. You know, I get 22 miles per gallon on the highway. You get that out of the V8. Right. Now, I mean, my bias though is, you know, I spend all my weekends towing an Airstream trailer. The EcoBoost is the best towing engine I've ever had. You know, save a diesel. It, it, it just pulls and pulls and pulls. But, you know, if I wasn't towing a trailer, yeah, I might just save some money and get, a, get yeah. the V8. Yep. Uh, we have some new cars at the track. Our Jaguar XF. <sighs> I'm not You're excited. that excited uh, by it. Yeah. I'm just not excited. You know what? First of all, when I heard that there's a Jaguar coming in, I was like, F-Type. <laughs> no, not yet. Then I heard it has an X not in yet, front of it. I'm excited for the F-Type, too. Not yet. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of ho-hummy to me. I mean, it's a nice-looking car, but uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, it's just hard to put your finger on what exactly does it bring to the table in this competitive class of Mercedes E-Class, BMW 5 Series, and Audi A6. Well, actually, the thing is, is now it even actually has a seat at the table to begin with, because the reason we're testing the car, they've updated the engines. We have a supercharged V6. Uh, but now they offer all-wheel drive. You know, all-wheel drive is great. Snows with all-wheel drive. You go wherever you want. At the same time, Good set of snow tires, you know, at the same time, people aren't really going out as much in the winter. It's, it seems, you know, they get scared of snow. Yes, they're at the table. You have to have it to sell up in the northeast or even down in the south, but... Yeah, we looked at, we looked at yeah. what our readers buy. Uh, around, it was amazing, you know, people, you know, when you were able to get rear drive, people stuck to rear drive. Around 08, 09, it switched. Yeah. They moved to all-wheel drive, you know. In this class, people are buying all-wheel drive. Jaguar trying to sell in the Northeast without all-wheel drive. If I'm spending $60,000 on a car, I want the car to be there for me no matter what. Well, I want the car to have a power, I want the so, car to have any lumbar adjustment, which our Jaguar doesn't have, which just. How about the, um, just did the blog on that, Acura RLX, and I got some, uh, some responses there. Some blame me of uh, <laughs> yeah, hating Acura and yeah, uh, Honda, you, you, which is completely false because yeah. half of the MDXs in my town uh, I'm responsible for. Yeah, we got a, <laughs> we got a lot of angry people um, about that blog with with that RLX. Uh, you know, people said, uh, I, I do not believe you have taken an approach in pinning this article that provides unbiased or completely factual information to consumers' styling preference aside because of its subjective nature. Your review is misleading and unyieldingly negative. So you're just a ray of sunshine on a cloudy day. That RLX would be a perfect car if you told me it's a $40,000 Toyota Avalon competitor or a Chrysler 300 competitor or a Hyundai Azera competitor. It's a large, plush car, but it's just not 
special. But it, it's not flush. Noise. The ride isn't very good. The ride is not you luxury at all. You hear suspension noise. Right. And you know, I just uh, last night I saw an ad for the RLX, and I think I counted like the word luxury about 14 times, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, if you have to tell people this is luxury, there's a problem here. I mean, luxury needs to exude itself. It needs to be self. It needs to pop out. I exactly. mean, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, Acura always sat above Infinity as far as like, well, okay, you know, there's Lexus, and then there's two other Asian and uh, luxury there's brands, other, there's you know, Japanese. and now almost Infinity is seen before uh, Acura in, in, in oh, some way, yeah. I think. You know, that they, you think about their cars a little more, you know, they, the big QX or, well, they're all QXs now, I guess, but, yeah. you know, you have the big monster, you have the, the old G, you know, even the M, you know, you, these cars actually said sporty and luxury. Now Acura is just kind of like, well, what am I? And I, we own an MDX. My wife drives an MDX, you know, it's, it's a top rated vehicle. It's really yeah, great. It is. But it's such an uneven lineup. The ILX, the little one, you know, is totally unimpressive. This is totally unimpressive. Yeah. When Honda wants to do something well, they know how to do it. And if the RLX clearly they just said to themselves, we are not really competitors here. We're only going to sell very few of them. Let's just not make a big deal out of it. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, even styling aside, like, what would you choose over that? I, I don't think there's anything that I would put, take that over. There's just nothing out there in the market. I don't even go for a Genesis, which is so far away from that car. As far as sporty, I'd take the Genesis in a second. I mean, you know, we have readers, you know, they're, they're upset that we discuss the style. You know, someone said, Acres have never been flashy. That's part of their charm, and that's why I like them. I don't want anything that announces I have arrived. I'd like to think that other CR readers feel the same. You know, gosh, I think uh, we, when you spend 57000 bucks for a car, it should... We said it, we said in the um, the first drive video that it, it, it's perfect if you're in the witness protection program. Yeah. Uh, that was a good line. Um, I mean, I'll be the first one to say that yes, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But uh, when you uh, there, are, it's just such a big part of uh, the persona of a car. Certain cars, you know, that you can say, you know, this car is sexy. You know, this car is just boring. And um, I mean, if you're not acknowledging that uh, you're just missing a part of the conversation you know they kind of fall they've fallen into the traditional complaint about the japanese they got about three quarters of the way of the car and they're like ah eh, just finish the back however you want to do it but acura also <laughs> went down a path a number of years ago they went away from normal looking fronts they went with the beak then they changed the beak they've evolved the beak now they have spider lights on the front it looks like some kind of bug coming at you with big fangs coming at oh. it's they're they're lost i think style wise they're totally lost they don't Everyone talks about design language, and I'm half of it at press conferences is blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I don't know what their design language you is. You know, speaking of beauty in the eye of the beholder or design language, we bought a Honda Cross Tour. Uh, we did. I mean, uh, it's got this new engine, DreamWorks or uh, Earth what, Dreams, uh, Earth Balance. Yeah. It's like a margin. It's like a vegan margin. <laughs> Some sort of. It's at Whole Foods, I think they sell the engine <laughs> they, they in, the, in the beer aisle. It finally has a six-speed automatic as well. So. But, but to me, it's just Honda ruining an Accord. I would yeah. love an Accord wagon. and I don't even remember driving it, I think. <laughs> I did. I had it for a weekend. Um, you know, here's the plus. Put the two kids in the back. It was great. Roomy. I put a kid's bicycle in the back without having to fold the seats down. Really great. It's very fast with the V6. Yeah, it's yeah, got all-wheel drive. Is, is great powertrain. Yeah, it's great powertrain. You know, it's got the stupid split radio where it's telling me a station here, it's telling me a different station here, I'm toggling back and forth, all of a sudden the camera's showing me the right side of the road because I touched yeah, the turn they're, they're signal. Yeah, they're lane watch. Yeah. You know, and it's got shock towers that 
infringe on the cargo area. So actually, if you have to flip the seats down and put something kind of bulky in there, it better be a very narrow box from Ikea and yeah, not something yeah, wide. You know, the thing is, is you know, they, they changed a handful of things that maybe will improve fuel economy. A lot of the complaints we had about the car. Oh, and it has an onboard computer now. <laughs> Which it really should for yeah, how for much? $35,000. Yeah. yeah. You know, 35000 bucks buys me a Hyundai Santa Fe three-row. Oh, that's our new acquisition. And that car is, is rather slick. You know, I think uh, Hyundai is really learning. And I uh, would suggest uh, that Toyota, before they release the new Highlander, take a look at that Santa Fe to just make sure that it's competitive enough. That way they don't have to redesign the Highlander one year uh, later. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We didn't love the Santa Fe Sport, the two-row version of this. This, you know, I drove it last night. It feels, the three-row, it feels better sorted. It is, yeah. It's, uh, it really is better sorted. It's, I think it's more responsive. It rides better. It's quieter. Yeah. Speaking of SUVs, we have a question from the blog. Why is the small sport utility segment, one of the last, the minivan seems to be the other, to have a diesel engine offered in at least one vehicle? Is it that much smaller mid-sized sedans to warrant the conservatism or what's the deal? Uh, I'm thinking cost. I'm thinking packaging. I'm thinking urea for the Germans, you know, you know, the pee pee, the cat pee, yeah. a little bit of cat <laughs> urine uh, on the side. Um, it's cost. You know, diesel engines are expensive. You know, you're talking about a very competitive. It's forty-five hundred bucks in a Grand Cherokee for you to right. You know, man I mean, up to the diesel. that moves you up to another category. You know, which you know, bigger vehicle. So you know, you're shopping. Look, small cars are price conscious. You know, nobody goes out there thinking, I got a ton of money. I'm going to go to the small, small car category. No, no, they're going to go small car, small SUV. Right there, you're going to talk about price. And the price of diesel fuel. I mean, it's higher, always higher than uh, the regular and even premium. And uh, it's just going to counteract uh, the purchase price. You know, the funny thing is, is that one of the first diesels that was here was in this segment. It was the Jeep Liberty, the first generation Liberty. Yeah, it was that a was little. That was a tractor engine. It was a little tractor. Tra tragic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tragic. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't refined at all. Uh, no. Mercedes GLK is going to offer one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, I, I get the uh, feeling if, if someone offered a, a mainstream. Mazda CX-5, I bet, uh, will have it. Um, that's the rumor, because the Mazda 6 will have one. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Also, among the diesel folks, diesel versus gasoline, I'm looking at a BMW 3 Series. The new efficient Dynamics four-cylinder diesel looks great. Is it worth the extra upfront cost? Yes. I, would, I say no. I would buy. Let's go. Let's bring, bring it, it on. Bring, bring it on. It on. Bring, bring it on. on. Diesel, I, I, the last generation one was actually fun to drive, had a lot of power. Yeah, but they didn't sell any of those. No, I mean, it doesn't they, they, not, had, they had, we're the only people who paid close to sticker. When well, we that's our fault for paying close to sticker, but you know it what? It did have nice brown leather seats. It did. It was red. It was also nice. I, I had a trouble I, I finding a gas kind of nozzle to fit in it in New Jersey, but that's a different story. I just think I the torque, the fun, the, the, the fun to drive aspect of it, the range, that makes it a great vehicle right there. Yeah, and uh, this time around, they're going to have it available with all-wheel drive in the wagon and the uh, I'm, I'm wagon. actually excited for that. That's As the, you know, the, the sort of internet car geek, you know, all-wheel drive wagon, you won't be able to get a stick, so that, that blows some of the cred out. Uh, so, so wait, wait, so the last one didn't sell a lot of, so now the all-wheel drive diesel wagon's going to be the uh, well, sales that's a volume <laughs> seller. They're going to sell... <laughs> Handfuls. Yeah, handfuls. I mean, BMW is claiming 37 miles per gallon overall combined. We got 28 out of our BMW 3 Series, which was our top pick 
mm -hmm. for sports sedans. Uh, we'll buy one of these. We will, yeah. Uh, maybe a wagon, don't mm -hmm. know. Um, we'll see what, what it gets above and beyond the 28 MPG of... Uh, yeah, it's hard to answer run. the question if it's worth the money. BMW has not announced pricing yet, and without knowing the actual fuel economy, it's hard to say, but, you know, it's, it's a tempting choice now. So thank you for watching our podcast. I'm Tom Mutchler. I'm John Linkov. Gabe Shenhar. Thanks again.